welcome to mini episode 134 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 26th of June, 2021. And story number one comes from Paige. In 2010, my husband and I moved into one side of a duplex in a suburb of Salt Lake City. The other side of the duplex was empty and completely trashed, as if the previous occupants left in a hurry. A few months later, a young couple purchased the other side of the duplex. While cleaning up the home prior to moving in, the couple came across a few things I would place in the creepy category. There was writing on the walls of the attic referring to the devil, as well as lists of men's names and several sleeping bags crumpled on the floor. They found what was determined to be a baptismal font in the garage, a very large, dirty, round, freestanding sort of bathtub. The back deck was elevated above the ground with access from a second level of the home. The deck was about the size of a small bathroom. Underneath the deck, there were several ragged mattresses, some still sporting tattered blankets. These mattresses were completely surrounded by a chain-link fence with no apparent entrance or exit. We dubbed it the people cage. About a month later, I came home to a reporter and a cameraman from the local news station in my driveway. They slowly moved aside so I could drive into my garage. My introverted self was too freaked out to talk to the news crew, but I wish I had. When my husband arrived home from work, I filled him in on my strange encounter. He's the extrovert of the family, so he decided to check with the neighbours and see if anyone knew what was going on. One neighbour told him, that a cult used to live in both sides of our duplex, so maybe it had something to do with that. After hearing the news, we immediately googled our address and came across some information about the cult known as the Church of the Firstborn and General Assembly of Heaven. The cult leaders were Terrell Dalton, aka the Holy Ghost, and Geodie Harmon, aka God in the Flesh. The cult practiced polygamy, and were accused by former cult members of sexual indecency. They made threats to assassinate President Obama and regular threats to practice mass suicide with Kool-Aid in case of a standoff with law enforcement. The Secret Service raided the duplex in 2009 and somehow the cult was able to flee to a Native American territory in Idaho where they were forced out by tribal leaders. They ended up in Montana where the FBI finally caught up with them Dalton and Harmon were extradited to Utah to face charges of rape in 2010. Hence the news crews in front of our house. For the entirety of our time living in this duplex, we experienced many eerie and often scary activities. I would sometimes hear a music box playing in my bedroom. I assumed I was hearing noises from next door because our bedrooms shared a wall. In fact, this wall was newly erected as it had been taken down by the cult in order to create one large bedroom. But one day, my sweet neighbour asked me if I had a music box because she could hear one playing when she was in her bedroom. I wondered if a music box was somehow placed inside the new wall. But why was it still playing? I would also hear children laughing and a baby crying in my room. I just thought children from the neighbourhood were playing outside, however there were no children outside. My mom once stayed at our home for a bit while we were out of town. When we arrived home, she mentioned that she could hear children playing and a baby crying. She wanted to help the baby, but could not find any children or a baby anywhere near the house. 
She also mentioned hearing the music box. When my daughter was born, I woke up to feed her during the night, as one must. She promptly woke up at around 2.30am for her feeding nearly every night. At 3am, I would see a very tall, dark figure walk past my bedroom door and into the bathroom. Every night, like clockwork. I would sometimes be woken up by an angry man's voice yelling my name in my ear, but I was alone. After a few times of this, I became quite used to it, though it still gave me a chill every time it happened. One day, my older daughter mentioned hearing an angry man yell in her ear while she was in her basement bedroom. She could also hear what sounded like running and scampering in her ceiling during the night. She had a very hard time sleeping, and I didn't know what to do for her. When my younger daughter, Tegan, was two years old, she would often talk about her friend Gracie. We didn't know a Gracie, but assumed she knew her from preschool. Tegan told us that Gracie was naughty. Soon after, my daughter started to become Gracie for hours and sometimes days at a time. One Monday morning, Gracie woke up and told us that Tegan was staying with her parents but would be back on Saturday. All week, she only responded to the name Gracie. She told us she lived in the mountains and that her parents were very mean. Gracie was sassy and disrespectful. On Saturday morning, Tegan woke up, ran to my bedroom declaring, I'm back. I don't think two-year-olds typically have such an accurate sense of time. Unfortunately, she couldn't tell us much about where she was. And by the time Tegan was four years old, Gracie had stopped coming around. I was approached by a paranormal investigation team who wanted to film an investigation of both sides of the duplex. They had heard about the activities we were experiencing through the grapevine. We were keen, even if just for the fun of it. But the neighbours on the other side of the duplex did not want to participate, so the investigation never happened. Overall, the house had a very bad feeling. I wonder if it was a residual energy left from the cult's activities or possibly an entity they had summoned. Maybe both. We finally moved out in 2014. The couple on the other side of the duplex also moved out that year, and it was a relief to be out of there. So I wonder if the cult's activities, rather than them summoning anything or anything along those lines, if just the sheer negative energy of the activities of the cult somehow gave energy to a haunting that was pre-existing because by the sounds of it like the music box the footsteps running around the sound of children doesn't really sound like anything to do with the cult but it might be that the negative energy that the cult kind of operated in allowed that haunting to really manifest in a very very strong way and I know that kids play pretend like taking you know being Gracie kids play pretend all the time but to to, man, to to maintain it for that long, it's pretty impressive. That kid is going places, possessed or not. And story number two comes from Joey. My inspiration to share this story largely comes from many listener submissions which mention sleep paralysis. For a long stretch of my life, I suffered from sleep paralysis on a semi-regular basis. I had all of the usual experiences inability to move, pressure on the chest from an unknown entity, difficulty breathing, etc. Eventually, I'd wake up enough to move, take a deep breath and feel better almost immediately. Not a fun experience, but something I could live with. 
So when many listener submissions would go into detail about their experiences and explain that it was not sleep paralysis, I'd sort of nod along thinking, yeah, that's nothing like I've experienced. I've, I get what you mean. Over time, though, an old memory would stir. And I started to think, well, except for that one time. The weird one happened when I was still in high school. Right away, what makes this experience different is that I have such a vivid memory of it all, after more than 20 years. Things I know as sleep paralysis fade away like a dream, except for very general details. But enough wind-up. One night, I awoke staring at my ceiling, unsure why I woke up in the first place. There wasn't anything to see up there, just darkness, which was odd since I couldn't make out the ceiling fan. The fan would usually be slightly visible from ambient light. But this was a deep, complete darkness. I kept looking at the darkness, feeling very confused. The darkness felt deep, and I had the feeling like it was just stretching far, far back, which didn't make any sense. And that's when I felt noticed, like suddenly someone or something became fixated on me and was looking down on me. And without my seeing anything still, it suddenly jumped down on top of me. It was like a person or an animal jumped on top of me. I felt the impact, heard a thud and the pain. I know the pressure on your chest is a hallmark of sleep paralysis, but I've always experienced that as a gradual pressure, pressure that makes it harder to breathe. This was like an animal leaping onto me and pinning me down. I felt its face get closer to mine and I turned my head away while struggling against it. I was restrained rather than paralysed since I could move my head from side to side and make some movement with my limbs, but the thing's strength and weight held me in check. And then I could smell it. I have never had an olfactory experience in a bout of sleep paralysis before or since then. It was a mixture of wet dog and a sickeningly sweet smell, like overripe fruit. I didn't have any pets at the time, so there would be no reason for an animal in the house to be jumping on my bed. I still couldn't see anything, but I felt its face get so close to mine, and I kept turning my head from side to side, trying to get away, and then it was gone. I wasn't restrained, I couldn't smell anything, and I could sit up a bit in bed. There was another aspect, different from bouts of sleep paralysis that I've had in the past, where I would have that feeling of waking up, realising I was coming out of something dreamlike. This was just the weight and presence leaving. My room was as it should be, ceiling fan above me, and I was just sitting up confused. If the story ended there, I would probably have been able to write it off as a bad dream. But the thing is, for as long as I was in that room, I would periodically wake up with an intense feeling of dread, and a sense that there was some kind of malicious presence in my room. Most times I was able to muster the courage to demand whatever it was to leave, and that it was not welcome. That would work for a time anyway. Eventually, I went off to college and I had no issues while I slept, except when I came home for a visit. Every other visit or so, I'd have one night with the same feelings of dread when I awoke. After graduation, I was out on my own trying to start a career. I lived in a couple of different places with no further experiences anywhere else but at home. Until one time... After I had moved halfway across the country for work, I woke up feeling the same way I did at my parents' house and that same feeling of dread. 
My first thought before really taking everything in was that it found me. I demanded it leave, that it wasn't welcome, and eventually it passed, but I was devastated. The next time I went home to visit my family, my parents moved to a completely new house. I was never back in my old room, as I was away when they packed up and moved out. And less than a year later, I moved again for a great new job. Since then, I've never had that dreadful wake-up experience again, even to this day. I should add, my parents' house, where I had my first experience, wasn't some old home steeped in history. It was a new construction in a wooded area of rural New England, and overall the house was great. I don't recall anyone having any kind of negative experiences there. I won't pretend that I know for sure that this was at all paranormal. Maybe it was just some highly unique sleep paralysis but it's incredibly difficult for me to put it in any kind of category given that nothing I've ever been through has been like that one night. I sincerely hope whatever it was doesn't find me again. There are just so many of these sleep paralysis stories where people experience sleep paralysis for pretty much the entirety of their life while they were living in one particular house. And during that period of time living in that house, they come to know exactly what their sleep paralysis looks like, feels like, sounds like, whatever it is, and eventually that it will pass. But these people often have these stories where they have one experience, a singular experience where they suddenly go, this doesn't feel like sleep paralysis anymore. This feels like something completely different. This is not what I know sleep paralysis to be. And I guess, you know, you could say that it is just a different type of sleep paralysis at that particular time. But I do always find it fascinating that they're generally linked to particular houses. And I also find it fascinating that in this particular case, there was no bad memories in that house. You know, because we often talk about how parents are going through divorce or something bad is happening in the house. But as Joey says, you know, they they really enjoyed living in that house and nothing else bad happened. But that he was experiencing these sleep paralysis incidents and then this one particular incident that just didn't feel like sleep paralysis. So I don't know. And story number three comes from Kayla. I've always been intrigued by the paranormal. If there was a paranormal show or movie on TV, I've probably watched it. I'm like flies to shit. I got married back in August 2010 in the Zions and had to fly to Las Vegas where I insisted on going to the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum. To this day, my husband blames me going on that tour for the power going out all night and the town's biggest storm in years the night before our wedding. But I can't stay away. So my tale begins in McGuanago, a small town in southeast Wisconsin. A little background story. In the 1950s, Francis J. Schrodel, a local investor, had a dream to build a grand resort with two large hotels, an 18-hole golf course, a golf shop and an airport called the Rainbow Springs Resort. Long story short, Murphy's Law decided to give old Francis a donkey kick to the face. He began to lose investors, stumbled on costly property issues and struggled to keep the business thriving. Facing bankruptcy, he fought the banks but slowly lost the business and the couple hundred acre property. Local officials had to pry him off the property that he had put so much blood, sweat and tears into. As he left, he stated, If I can't make it here, no one can. Francis passed two years later. This is now known as the Rainbow Springs Curse. That statement became a reality. 
Renovations of the hotel and property quickly became too expensive even for the most successful investors, reaching up to 20 plus million. The golf course stayed open until the early 2000s, along with the hotels which were eventually demolished or burned. Previous to being burned, the larger hotel and conference centre was used as a Halloween haunted hotel due to the related curse attracting thousands each year. Only this past year the golf lodge was demolished due to the land now being owned by the state as a wildlife area. You can still see where the golf courses were, with their tall whispering pines grown in sand pits, rotting bridges and winding rivers. The main roads into the resort are still paved and used today for an easy hike. The property resembles the crumbling skeleton of a once thriving and fun-filled resort. Walking along the small lake, you can just picture 1950s families in their vintage cherry red cars driving up to the hotel for a weekend of fun and relaxation. Today is a different story. Before the demolition of the hotels, there have been hundreds of stories circulated by the locals having experiences on the property. From hunters feeling like they're being followed and watched through the woods, to hearing unknown forces in the hotels. My experience was during my high school years, accompanied by my middle school aged younger sister in the smaller hotel by the lakeside. It housed maybe 50-ish guest rooms at the most, had a separate pool house, one large entertainment room with a bar and what was probably a kitchen and storage in the open basement. This building was still standing at the time and had been completely trashed by the local hooligans spray painting every wall, breaking all the windows and finding everything they could to Hulk smash. We had walked in the main path after parking at the entrance with no other cars, indicating no other hikers or hunters were on the property at that time. Once we reached the hotel, after the mile walk-in, we stood outside the crippled hotel listening for anyone or any animals that may be in there. Nothing. There was no sound. It was easy to see into all the rooms as all the windows were absent from the vandalism. There was no movement, no sound, just a calm and sunny summer afternoon. We went inside and began exploring and laughing at some of the graffiti while walking up and down the hallways. Visibility was easy, as a lot of the drywall was torn down between the rooms and no furniture had survived to this point. We both ended up in one of the first rooms by the Lakeview Entertainment Room, again admiring some of the funny spray-painted faces on the walls. There was a single loud bang that sounded like a door being slammed close up the hallway, making us both jump and stare at each other with wide eyes and pale faces. And then silence. That was weird, maybe it was the breeze, I said to my sister, trying to keep us both calm and collected. But I knew there needed to be some serious wind for a door to slam that hard. My sister nervously laughed to try and shake it off, indicating that she thought the same thing. Suddenly, another loud bang shook the building, accompanied by what sounded like someone or something running on the second story for about three seconds. And then again, silence. That bang had sounded much closer. I stumbled backwards further into the room as my sister jumped behind the opened door so she could not see the hallway anymore, while whispering, Don't let them in. Them. Those words coming out of my sister's mouth sent my mind into another dimension of batshit terrified. My eyes darted to the hallway half expecting to see someone or something running past. 
and suddenly all hell broke loose. It sounded like an entire herd of buffalo began running up and down every hallway, while what sounded like 10 plus doors were being opened and slammed shut with an angry force. The noises seemed like they were coming from every direction, and terror shot up my spine and concreted my feet to the floor. You could barely hear your own thoughts. Fight or flight finally kicked in, and flight won. Being on the first floor, I ran to the busted out window, studied the ground for any debris that would rock my world, and jumped out. My sister scurried out from behind the door and hurled herself on top of me as we both landed against an AC unit in the overgrown bushes, all while the deafening banging and running continued. We sprinted to the edge of the lake, catching our breath and trying to process what we had just experienced. The noises ceased. I'm surprised Nessie didn't pop out of the lake and put the icing on the cake since that seemed to be the day's vibes. Once collected, we circled the building trying to find an explanation or some other teens peeking out and laughing at us. Nothing. Attempting to shrug it off, we both began to giggle and lighten the mood again. At that moment, there was what sounded like an explosion from inside the hotel. Picture Thor's hammer going right through the building as he commands it from one side to another, and it sent us running into the surrounding woods. I love people who have the petty energy and the wherewithal to curse something that doesn't work out for them. I love it. I kind of want to be that person. Like if I die in mysterious circumstances, I'm going to curse the person that did it. If I die having not achieved a dream and I don't want anyone else to achieve it, I'm going to curse that dream. I'm going to make it really difficult for people. For sure. And it sounds like whatever this Francis Schroeder guy did, Schroedel rather, whatever he did, whatever curse he put on the land, it seemed to have worked. And that's the kind of energy that I want to exude in life. It definitely sounds terrifying though to be in the building and have sound coming from everywhere and hearing doors slamming and people running. I would have flung myself out the window as well, for sure. And story number four comes from Ray. My mum died a slow death from cancer and spent her time when she was very sick towards the end in the room that we called the playroom where the toys were kept. I'd heard a guitar in the wall strum itself before when I was alone in this room. My brother's friend heard a loud crash against the door when he slept in there. It was a creepy room. I was asleep upstairs when I was 18 and I had a dream that I was sleeping in the playroom. I woke up in the dream to a black and white woman grabbing my left knee and screaming in my face. This woke me up in my actual bed and it terrified me. I forgot about it until I worked alone in an old pub and had to go downstairs in the dark cellar to get more wine and change the kegs. It was scary and this time I was terrified. I slid open the first door and turned on the light and as I was in the cold room of kegs I saw a flash in my mind of the dream. The black and white face jumped up into my memory and the scream. I left very fast. I got a customer to come and change the keg and I refused to go down there alone. It was a bunch of dark passages and was super scary. I didn't go down there again I don't think. I believe now she was warning me of a danger and saved me from something or someone in that moment and for that I am grateful. I didn't know what a banshee was. I googled black and white woman screaming and read about a banshee. This was chilling and terrified me. 
I thought maybe it was related to those calm videos you can watch where you watch a rocking chair or a car in a forest and a woman's face jumps out on the screen. But in my dream, she grabbed my leg and screamed in my face. It was clearly meant for me. To my knowledge, nobody in my family died recently, but I think maybe she had a warning for me. It still shakes me to tell this story. My last name is McMahon, so it makes sense that an Irish folklore could follow me. However, I moved across seas and I read they do not follow family across seas, so I feel I am safe from this for now. So as far as I know from Banshee lore, I think she does follow families across seas, to be honest. I don't know if I've read stories of her coming in dreams. Like she comes in your waking hours, do you know what I mean? Just to really shit things up that you can't even have the luxury of saying, maybe it was a dream. Pretty sure she comes in dreams. But it sounds like whatever happened in your dream that night, you you felt the same way in that cellar, in that dark cellar when you were going to change the kegs. And that sounds pretty creepy. And look, I know that we talk a lot about ghosts and whatever giving warnings, but I really wish they would find a more pleasant way to give a warning. Like, just write a letter. Send an email. There is no need to be coming screaming in people's faces in their dreams. And story number five comes from Lauren. My family and I lived in a 100-year-old farmhouse. We were in a rural area, a small town, you know the type. My parents were very conservative Mennonites, and I was expected to do the same. I used to walk down our country road and pretend I could hear voices in the whistle of the wind. The paranormal was interesting to me even at a young age, and I was fascinated by death. When my great aunt Anne, who lived just down the road from us, died, I was visited by her in a dream. I was just six years old, and then again she visited me ten years later to tell me my grandmother had died. I woke up to the smell of my mom cooking and could feel the heaviness in the air before my mom even told me my grandma had died. From that point, something in the house changed. I began to feel very scared to walk upstairs and felt like someone was watching me. I also had my bed turned towards the staircase as I felt like I was also being watched between the banisters of the stairs. I told my parents and they told me I needed to pray and it would go away. I was so convinced. I began reading about demons and possession. I had decided there was a demonic presence in our house. Many nights I would stay awake until five in the morning watching the staircase and feeling the heaviness of what I felt to be a presence. The only relief I felt was sharing a bed with anyone, my sister, my nephews, a friend that stayed the night. One night my eldest nephew was laying in the pop-up crib next to me and pointed to the ceiling giggling. It looked like a strip of green neon lights were wrapped around the corners of the ceiling and my nephew said, what is he doing up there? I sat straight up and could see two black eyes staring at me between the banisters. As soon as I screamed, it went away. This was not the first time I saw the black-eyed, shadowy figure as it continued to present itself to me for the next two years until I moved out of my parents' house. I would wake up with bruises and finally got the nerve to tell my family. Seeing as they were religious, they obviously called our preacher. He came to me and asked me if I had invited any dark spirits into the house and of course I said no. They prayed with me every night and eventually I stopped seeing bruises on myself. The night before I was to move out of my parents' house off to college, I was woken by the same eerie feeling of being watched. I could see the figure again and screamed. As I screamed, I looked to the left 
and could see something tall next to my bed with long arms. Its head was shaped like it was wearing a hat, and what came out of its mouth I could only describe as music, but very distorted, almost like radio static. My parents came running down the hall, but it was already gone. I have never had another paranormal experience since then, and neither have I slept the night at my family home since that last night. So just in case anybody else was wondering, because I had to Google what the Mennonite faith was, because I actually had absolutely no idea. So it is just a a Christian religious group. And I, I, yeah, I had to look it up and and figure out what it was because I didn't really, didn't really understand. And that is my naivety and my lack of knowledge of other religions. Sounds like your house was haunted. Sounds like you were the one that experienced the most of it. Maybe because you were younger. Maybe because you were more open or more willing to believe this sort of thing. Who knows? But you know what I hate about these stories is when people say they wake up with bruises. I hate the idea of these things being able to cause some sort of injury to you if that's possible I'd kind of I prefer to believe that you like you know you gave the bruises to yourself because the idea of it becoming physical like really genuinely scares me thank you to Paige, Joey, Kayla, Ray and Lauren for sending in your stories the last story came from the 26th of June 2021 and if you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast you can do so by checking out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and on that note I shall see you next time <laughs>